0: What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm so stoked for you to meet my friend, Brian Boger, today. Incredible father. We dig into the strength that you have in vulnerability. We talk about how to apologize to your kids, paying attention to the signs in your home, and his audacious goal of impacting a billion lives through his organization, by the year 2045. Enjoy meeting my friend, Brian. All right, here we go, everybody. Another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Super stoked to introduce you to and get to know myself, Brian Bogert. Brian, how are you today?
1: I am fantastic, brother. Grateful to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I love it. I've been looking forward to it all day just to chit chat with you about fatherhood, learn more about your story. So to jump right in, I'm just going to ask a few questions so people can kind of get to know who I'm talking to here. How old are you today?
1: 36.
0: 36. And where do you live? Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. How hot is it today?
1: You know, it's uh, very cool today. It's actually only 90 degrees. We got a big storm last night, so it's been in the 110s to 115s, but we got a really nice reprieve, so I'm enjoying it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Um and how many years you've been married?
1: Uh, married 10. We've been together for going on 15.
0: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And then how many kiddos you got?
1: We have two, a seven and a half year old boy and a six year old daughter. Perfect.
0: One of each, huh?
1: Yeah, man. I hit the, I hit the jackpot.
0: (laughs) Jackpot. So does that mean you're, you're done? You got what you need and you're, you're good to go.
1: Oh yeah. I went, I went and got fixed as soon as my wife would let me, we, we, we hit it. I was like, look, I got a healthy boy, a healthy girl, you know, they've got their own stuff, but I figured at that point that that was what we needed to be blessed with. And that's what the universe gave us. And yeah, I was like, let's go. If we ever want more kids, we can adopt. Right. That was kind of where we were at. So
0: (laughs) that's right. And remind me, how old is your youngest? Six. Six. Okay. So 30 years old, you go and get
1: snipped. That's right. They make you go through a class like, are you sure you want to do this? No, because I already had two kids. I mean... I think, I think, had I not been a father by 30, maybe it would have been a different conversation. But yeah, no, they, they were like, okay. I mean, they confirmed and they obviously asked my wife and confirmed with her because obviously yeah. the boss needed to weigh in on it. Of course. Um, but, <laughs> but outside of that, it, uh, it worked out well.
0: Perfect, man. Nothing like a good, uh, vasectomy story. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember I went to get mine. I'm like, I have five kids. Yeah. I don't need to go to a class. I'm <laughs> exactly. pretty sure, yeah. you know, that I'm not going to have any more kids. Um, yeah. and then, Tell us, Brian, what do you do for a living?
1: So I build businesses and I build people. Um, You know, I I go by a bunch of different monikers in my in my titles, if you will. But I range anywhere from uh, philanthropist, entrepreneur to human behavior and performance coach to truly entrepreneur, business owner um, and and all of the above. So truthfully, I identify as a husband and father first. uh, But what do I do to actually monetize our life? Uh, it's it's through helping other people and in one of our many vehicles, because we've got a a number of entities that do that. So
0: yeah, beautiful. You know, so interesting, you know, you go, I identify as a husband and father first, right? And it sounds like that's probably the priority list as well. Yep. But then you also know that I got to go hunt and kill and provide. And you found this, you know, coaching, but you know, human behavior and performance is really what you're which you're titling it leaning into, which is killer, right? So we can already hear it in in your voice, your purpose, your passion, which you care about that that human behavior, the, the opportunity people have to really step into who themselves are. So talk to me just for a minute, because I, I'm captivated by this, like as a man myself, how mm-hmm. you continue to put your wife and kids first, although you have an exciting passion that you happen to get paid for. You know, how do you keep the one above the other? Because I think most of us would agree. It's probably easier to get the pats on the back and the attaboys much faster through the performance and behavioral coaching than it is, you know, showing up for your six-year-old every day. <laughs> and that balance. Yeah. So how do you find no, it's, that for so yourself? It's a,
1: it's, a, it's, a, it's a great question. And I, I I wish I could tell you it was easy. It's not. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really, really hard. And, you know, I will tell you that these last six months, we've We've been tested in that exact area, right? Yeah. So although I've had my human behavior and performance coaching business for going on seven, six and a half, seven years, I was running it alongside another business for a long time. See, I was in risk management employment of its consulting. We scaled that business to over 15 million, but I realized it didn't align with me. So I executed that by sell, but I did that last May. So June 1st of last uh, of 2020 was all I've really been focusing on. This is hundred percent and largely because I was pushed to do it by my wife. And we may unpack that story later. We may not, but truly my wife, it's not lost on me. The courage it took for her to genuinely push me into my purpose uh, and my passion. Uh, But that said, we, we do this and I'm all of a sudden in a world where I had had high levels of success, but I had never enjoyed what I was doing every minute of every single day, as much as I have been the last 15 to 16 months. Because everything mm-hmm. I'm doing right now is a manifestation of who I am. I'm living truly authentically to who I am, and every day I'm showing up as just that person, and it just seems to be materializing into cool business opportunities
0: yeah, right yeah, which yeah. which
1: is which only further supports by the way my entire belief system and why I left to go do this and so you know, as is the case with everything when you make major changes in your life there's kind of a pendulum swing right, and if we aren't really really careful and vigilant, we can swing it too far. Well, I don't think that mine swung too far, but what we ran into is a bunch of historical patterns from my old professional world. Now all of a sudden combined with, I actually really enjoy what I do Mm -hmm. and I'm doing my work right now to genuinely help other people. And so if my wife for any minute doesn't feel okay in herself, no matter what I do, she's never going to feel like a priority when the majority of my time is spent on helping other people. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, but can I pause on that for a second? Please, so you said yeah. for your wife to feel a hundred percent herself, that requires something of you. Correct. Break that down for me.
1: So it's twofold in in my case. Um and again, I'm gonna sit here, I'm a vulnerable guy. I'm gonna tell you guys what's real because I'm I'm as perfect mm-hmm. as every or as imperfect as every perfect coach that's out there online, right? Yeah, Let's yeah, just call it what sure. it is. Um, so look, I'm in this business for almost a full year and March 4th, 5th, 6th of this year, um, I would have told you and my wife would have agreed that we were in the best place we'd ever been in our marriage Mm. by April 4th, 5th and 6th. I don't know if I knew I was going to be married for another month, let alone by the end of the year. Wow. We unpacked some really serious stuff. Now there's really two major themes that came into this, but the very first one hit me like a ton of bricks. Keep in mind, I, am, I, I walked away from a very successful growing business to yeah. take a major risk and chance to go perpetuate impact in the world. I mean, we've got a crazy goal to impact a billion lives by 2045. I get fully into this, feel fully alive and fully aware. But there was still some stuff that was lingering at home that hadn't been dealt with that I just didn't even see. Yeah. So I'm a guy who's committing the rest of his life to helping people discover who they are. And allow people to literally feel ownership and protection and acceptance and embracement with who they are. And what my wife continues to tell me in a conversation in early April is that things that I did in our marriage early created patterns and triggers that led to her losing who she was. Mm -hmm. It was rooted in control and it was rooted in temper. Both of which we've now unpacked pretty deeply. The control is a really interesting one, which I'm not going to go into detail on. It actually wasn't control. It was a perception of attempt to help, but the intent didn't align with how it was being received. Mm -hmm. Right? Not either one of our fault, absolutely our responsibility to communicate and work around. But then what that really meant is, um, and what's interesting and beautiful about even where we're going on this thought process is, what unpacked after that was complete ownership. I had to be aware of it. I had to own it. I had to unroot it and I had to move through it. About 10 days after we realized these things, you know, I owned it in the moment. I apologized. I didn't realize there was all this damage. I was genuinely blind to it. I do this for a living for people. And I was blind to this area. And I'll tell you why. Because about 10 days later, I realized that I had been angry for a very long time. Hmm. And I'm talking an anger buried so deep, it could barely be excavated. Right? Like, I literally didn't know it was there. And 98% of people in my life were like, you're not an angry person. Well, anger is not a primary emotion. It's, It's a secondary emotion. And mine was rooted in shame, which I've dealt deeply with. And I've moved mostly through my shame. But all mm. of a sudden, I realized that when you have somebody with a personality like mine, right? Very hard charging, type A, like just a large energy in general, and my ability to f- infuse life into people, I realized in that moment, Ned, that you flip that in the reverse. And all of a sudden, I can also tear somebody down to their absolute core. And whether it be intentional or unintentional, whether by words or actions or just by energy, which often was the case in the most recent years right? Mm -hmm. That actually contributed to not having my family be okay. And I've said always, look, I'm going to be a husband and father first. Yeah. And so in that moment, I literally handed my phone to my wife. I said, please communicate with my team. I want everything off my calendar for the next 10 days, except for one thing. The very first time we were going to speak mutually at a marriage retreat. (laughs) And we went in and we were like, look guys, we're coming in raw. Okay. Like we're just telling you what's going on. Well, what I'm really proud of is that I did my own process on unpacking emotional triggers in this case, but why the pendulum swung so hard is there was a lot of historical belief systems, both intellectually and emotionally that my wife had had about where she ranked as a priority in my life as it related to my prior role Mm -hmm. and my inability to show up for her and make her feel like I'm truly her partner, my inability to create an emotional space where she felt safe so that she could actually lean on me that way. She felt safe financially. She felt safe physically. She felt safe in so many other areas, but I didn't give her what she really needed, which was that emotional safety. And so through this anger, I was able to do exactly what I teach people, become aware of it, own it, unroot it, move through it, which we can unpack on how, what that process looks like later if we decide to or not. But I did that and in the, in the course of about 10 days. Uh, we had seen traumatic or, or dramatic difference and changes in our household. Wow. I'm proud to tell you that in that moment when I realized the anger, I told my wife that I I, I was going to try to fulfill a promise to never have the negative effects of anger impact our house again. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud to say four months later, it's happened one time and it was a very minute thing. It was truly an energetic shift, right? There was no reaction. There was no voice raised, There was no, it was just something that was in the moment. And so our counselor that we've been seeing for years, uh, you know, we have two special needs kids. So we've been going to counseling for four years just to make sure we could be proactive. And again, Mm. in March, we thought we both would have told you we were in the best place in our marriage. So it's not like we were fundamentally unhappy or broken. We've done a lot of work over the years, but there was this thing that was still in our way. And it was my fault, right? It wasn't my fault that it existed, but it was my fault that it happened and created damage in my house. And it was my fault that I didn't realize the responsibility I needed to take for it earlier because I didn't see it. And so my, 100% going into this world and now loving it, being passionate about it, consuming my time in it and really focusing on helping other people even more highlighted the deficiencies that my wife felt in how I was showing up for her. Despite the fact that I said husband and father. So I will tell you definitively the reason I can say that first, the reason I can say that's my number one, we want to impact a billion lives, but I just had a conversation with a business partner the other day and he said, the only thing binary in your world, only thing binary is in your world is if your wife and kids are not okay, you'll walk away from everything. There's a switch in your head. He's like, I know what you'll do. And he said, if you call me one day and you're like, I'm out, that's why. I know it. He said, everything else in the world, he said, you don't view in black and white, which is how you can navigate through it. Because I believe that the gift is in the gray area. But as it relates to being a husband and father, I don't care how much impact I can or cannot create outside of my household. If the three of them are not mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally strong and healthy and feeling in an environment where they're safe, protected seen and understood and connected then i'm not doing my job as a husband and father in the way that i view myself capable of doing it
0: yep 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 okay man i'm going to have to pause you cuz i got too many things to talk about yeah so i know i more, went i went on a long day, but i had content. to man
1: i had to that's perspective that people need <laughs> well, to
0: understand right yeah so i, I think and I'll, I'll go relatively quick but number 1 what led to this conversation was you stating that your wife could not fully be herself without you showing up. That's exactly and, and, right. And, and, and I think that that's really critical to hear because we're not talking about this like, Oh, we got to be these super tough, gnarly, masculine dudes. And my woman needs me because you're totally showing up with vulnerable authenticity, which I think are two words that resonate big time with you. They but are. I think on the flip side of us moving away from us being masculine is we're moving away from this idea that that my my wife, although she was getting everything she needed from you, you said her emotional safety. Now, once she got the emotional safety, then she could flourish, right? It's like I think of our our spouses as like a flower. Like if they are not feeling that their environment is safe. Now, whichever yep. piece of the environment you're not showing up for as dude, she can't she's just going to be tight and closed off that's right. and then you're also and not going to exactly get what, it was. what you want right mm-hmm. and so i think it's really critical for dudes to go yeah women are badass and strong and i mean t- giving birth to a human being it's gnarly but on but they also need that foundational safety and so if you're a dude listening think about the safety areas that brian mentioned is there an area you're not providing that safety yeah. Or you're just leaning on one saying, well, I've provided a financial safety, so she should be okay with the others. No, dude, look at your whole opportunity because what ends up happening is you get what you want too, which is to be respected, valued, needed, loved, like to feel like a man, but it does show up in you serving.
1: But that's exactly right. And the thing is, is like here, why we were so blind to it is again, I'm not like an outwardly angry or rage based person. People who know me know that, right? Like I'm not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the ones that are closest to me definitely could tell that there was this edge about me sometimes. Here's mm. the reality, there was a whole lot about that that again wasn't my fault. It was it was actually rooted in something and it's it's a combination of triggers that then patterned forward in my life and did in our relationship. But guess what? You're looking at two different people who came from two different backgrounds with two totally sets of different experiences and triggers. Yeah. And yeah. so for her any element of elevated energy, whether or not there's elevated voice or delivery or any demeaning talk or any, I, I've never touched my wife. Like like there's, I've never broken yeah. anything in our house. Like I'm not a rage head, right? But I had anger and I had anger that would sometimes manifest as a reaction, right? That would be a statement that would come from an aggressive or defensive place rooted in my shame. Or I would have anger sometimes that I would be triggered in something based on a sensory overload or something else that would literally just shift my energy enough that I might as well have had a big FU written on my forehead. Right. Right. It doesn't matter what I say. I'm not, I'm not energetically providing that safe space for her. And so she came from a place where if there's a male that has an elevated energy, that it's something that triggers her to feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. Again, that pattern in her is not my fault. And I was blind to the fact that I Mm. triggered that pattern in Mm. her. Right. And so I created more damage that perpetuated that pattern and her own trigger. Which further made her pull back because she needed to pay, keep herself safe in every other way. So what I had to recognize is, yeah, her stuff wasn't my fault. My stuff wasn't my fault. But it is absolutely my responsibility. And I'm the only one that could change the dynamic in the house. Right.
0: right. Uh, yes, 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 yes. So I love this because I think sometimes dudes won't admit to things because they're thinking they're they're going to a fault mode. But you've said twice. It's like you didn't, you weren't at fault. Your wife wasn't at fault. The reality is you have two human beings coming together. But if you are the, you want to step into the man of the house, which means that you are the servant of the house. You're paying attention to like what's going on. Correct. You take ownership for that, and when you take ownership, then you can create change. And then you're feeling safe. She's feeling safe. And that's where deep relationship comes: is that vulnerability.
1: Dude, so powerful. Hundred percent. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. True strength actually hides behind vulnerability. And what's interesting is what we all desire most is human connection, right? Like at the end of the day, we all desire that to begin with. Well, the human experience that roots it in it, I said it a second ago, it's like, we all desire to feel safe. We all desire to feel protected. And those are not the same thing. We all desire Mm -hmm. to feel seen and understood. And we all desire to feel connected, right? When you get into a romantic relationship, right? You desire connection at a different level. Now we talk about this thing called intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. Now intimacy can be romantic and sexual, and it can be intimacy, non-romantic and sexual. Right? Mm -hmm. It can be both. Intimacy is not that. But guess what? The absolute key to intimacy is pure vulnerability and surrender. The only way that can happen is if all four of those needs are met. And so when I recognize that, yep, okay, my stuff isn't my fault, but I'm actually creating damage as a result of my trigger, where she's just Mm -hmm. pulling away, right? Mm -hmm. I look at it and I say, when we really have to own, it's when it creates damage, whether intentional or not, because it's in the repair that it matters. So our relationships with our kids have changed. Our kids are starting. I I, I started to realize as I pulled back from this that they had these little patterns that were starting to show up with aggression and a little bit, Mm. not crazy, nothing out of the whack. But had they continued down this path for another 10 years watching dad with this edge, who would they become? Right. Because I'm not providing that safety, protection, connection, and being seen and understood to my kids either. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, I yeah. was able to literally purely surrender to this point where it's like, okay, but that's what pure ownership is. It's recognizing that it's not just about stepping into it. It's about finding moments of repair as well. Yeah. And, and we've got and to really sh- pay attention to that.
0: Yeah. And as you share it, I mean, just two, two thoughts on this is one, we all seek adventure. We all want a battle to battle the fight. We all want a warrior. We all want to get the girl at the end of the movie. Right. But, but Many of us are not looking at our day to day life as that. We're just looking at the mess. We're looking at the, oh, well, she said this to me, blah, blah, blah. But when you step into what you're talking about, all of a sudden you're stepping into an adventure worthwhile that is for your lifetime. No doubt. No doubt. And then with that, you know, as a performance coach and behavior, human behavior coach, what I hear because of your vulnerability is, hey, I'm imperfect. And you can't come to an eight-week class or read my eight steps to then, okay, my life's perfect. (laughs) What you're stepping into is a growth mindset and choosing to enter a journey where it's going to be something else next year. It's going to be something else next year. You're stepping into owning this is my opportunity to progress and live my life.
1: Right. so absolutely, definitively. Now, this will be the hardest work anybody will ever do. Right, the the journey from the inside out is the hardest journey anybody will ever take, but it's the most meaningful one definitively. And here's the thing, you said it beautifully, but I'm gonna say it a different way. Everything I ever have wanted was right in front of me and I almost lost it because of me. Hmm. Everything I ever wanted was in front of me and I almost lost it because of me. Now, here's the really beautiful part. I just said this to my other business partner as we were talking the other day. I have felt so happy so free, so joyous, so fulfilled since I left my other business and since we've been doing this. I've had a big level of belief and conviction that a billion lives is truly possible. But when I said to him this last couple of weeks, I said, you know what? And I'll tell you why. I had an admin that was working with me for about six years and she just, we had some changes in the last month. They were unexpected, but truthfully, they've been a little bit of a blessing. And my wife, who's never wanted to be involved in the business was like, hey, I want I want to jump in and do this. Mm. I want to take over. Like I I know you better than anybody else. I can do your schedule. I, I can handle all this stuff. I want to run administrative stuff for the business. I want to focus on the what's need to get done. She's coordinating with our chief growth, chief growth officer, our chief of staff. Like she's literally jumped in in like three weeks and our lives are like, we're turning on this one work hat and shutting it off to go be in our space together. And then it's like parent time and when we need to be together time and when it needs to be alone. And we're shifting between these roles so beautifully in a way that has never happened. And I said to my business partner the other day, I said, you know, I've always had a belief and conviction that a billion lives was possible. Intellectually. I'm only now starting to feel it in every mm. cell in my body that it's going to happen. And this is when he said to me, he's like, it's because the only thing binary in your life is that. Mm. But he said, it's also because you did the work that most people won't do there, which has actually allowed you to move through that and understand that I can't chase the path of impacting a billion lives if I'm not 100% sure that I am capable of being the man, husband, and father that I've always said I want to be. And those three deserve. Yep. But now that I'm yep. living into that role and embodying it in every capacity in my life, I don't have a question at my ability to provide for them. And my wife recognizes it as showing up tenfold. And she's always been a boss, like always has owned her stuff and always been in this, right? Now she's shown up as a boss. And I said to him, I was like, that's an interesting perspective because for the first time, I'm actually not worried about my wife and my kids. Hmm. As it relates to like our dynamic, our connection, where this will go, like, will they ever be there? Because I know I can show up for them the way they need it and the way they deserve it. And it's only through that movement that all of a sudden I'm like, wow, everything we're doing across our entities, this impact now, it's not even a thought and an intellectual belief. It's an embodiment of who I am. Hmm. And so I feel it in a way more powerful than I ever have. And it also has freed me in a way that I can't even begin to explain because the amount of resistance and energy drain that took place living in that place where there was resistance in our relationship, energetic drain because of a trigger, lack of connection, not being fulfilled from my intimate relationship in the way that I want to be. And I don't just mean that sexually. I mean that in every way, right? Holistically, like my bucket is overflowing. So now I can give at a rate that I haven't been able to, because I've got excess to give. Whereas before I couldn't give what I didn't have. So I would constantly hit this wall of burnout. So when men are listening to this, understand that like the route to freeing yourself is on the inside journey. I don't care if it's your relationship. I don't care if it's your business. I don't care if it's your health. I don't care what category it's in. People think they're stuck because of the wrong strategy and tactics in their life. And what you reframed beautifully is that's not what, we we don't need any more seven-step systems. Strategy and tactics are beautiful, but they will only get you so far and they will get you far. But what keeps people stuck, what keeps people from truly living the life that they want to be exactly who they want to be and who they were before the world told them to be, is truly rooted in emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning, which is why it's the hardest journey. Because we got to complete that 18-inch journey from our heart to our head.
0: Mm. Hmm. So since we're on that, if somebody's there going, yeah, I don't feel 100% in this area, in that area, but maybe in this area because I can control it better from whatever situation I've been in, what would you say is the first step for someone to go, man, I... I want to go on that journey but one I'm scared. Okay, we acknowledge it. It's gnarly. Two, I don't know what to do. So what would you say? I mean, you know, commit. Okay, so like one I'm going to commit. And I think everybody's journey would be different, right? So it's like once you choose and you start seeking the light, all of a sudden the light's going to show up, right? But but in, if there's any practical couple of steps, what would you what would you say?
1: So Beginning to do the work would need to start with awareness. Mm -hmm. It -hmm. always does. Right? So truthfully, if somebody's like, I don't know, I'm afraid, it's all these things. Like, we need to really just see things for what they are. Our minds process 11 million bits of information per second, but we're only consciously aware of about 40. So what that says is we're largely led by the unconscious. So until we go through a systematic process of moving the unconscious to the conscious, the unaware to the aware, Mm. it's going to feel like we're a victim. It's going to feel like we're fate. It's going to feel like we have no influence or control over our destiny or our path. But when we start to bring things into a place of conscious awareness, we can become intentional with them. So you may not know where you're stuck or why. Mm -hmm. You may not know why you're feeling this energetic drain, why you're not feeling worthy, why you're feeling depleted. You may not know. So you have to raise your level of awareness so you can see the things around you, right? Is it how you're going into work and how your coworker shames you because of how you speak too fast or too loud? Guess what? That's happened to me. Cause me to shrink small and not be who I was authentically in that workplace, right? Is it because yeah. when you load your dishwasher incorrectly, you get a look from your spouse and it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with how it triggered you back from when your kid was, you know, your grandpa looked at you when you were a kid. Like truly start to just pay attention to what are things that make me feel the way that I feel stuck, mm-hmm. right? Is it scarcity? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it fear? Is it perfectionism? Is it defensiveness? Like we have to start from a place of awareness. Once right. we're in a place of awareness, seek perspective because that's only your perspective. Ask the people in your life closest to you, right? What are things that you see as potentially destructive patterns in my life? If you saw areas that might be keeping me stuck, what would they be? If you could take one thing positive from my life and insert it into yours, what is that? If you could take mm. one thing from our relationship and how we interact and remove it, what would that be? Like ask what's That's questions. a
0: great question. That's a great question.
1: It doesn't mean you have to listen to it, but it's you better you better at least absorb it enough to process is there truth in it? Right. 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 But that's like seek perspective. So raise your own level of awareness, seek perspective. So you have outside awareness and then start to determine from there. Do I see a path forward in asking the right people for help? Yeah, that's the most basic way to start. If you're not ready to rip off the bandaid, that's a way everybody can ease into this journey. Love it,
0: man. Love it. Super powerful, powerful. Good questions to ask and practical and possible right? Mm-hmm. Th- those are very possible things for us to do. Um, all right. So we're, we've been just dipping into a bunch of stuff. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions and we'll just see where it takes us. Um, as you've been a father, what has been a good resource to you to help you engage in being a dad, whether it be a book, a podcast, a friend, whatever, what's been a good resource?
1: Uh, book Mindset by Carol Dweck. She really talks about the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. Mm-hmm. and I've always understood that concept, but I haven't understood the language that supports the concept. And that's, what's the magic in this book on page 157 in the book mindset, which is right up there, by the way, um, there's a section in there that's titled for to- teachers, coaches, and employers and parents. And it basically walks through what the language might sound like and how it's received from kids in a fixed versus a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So a fixed mindset might be something like, Um, Hey, so I'm so happy that you got that A on that test. It's amazing. You are so smart. It's incredible. I cannot believe you got that A. Good job. It might sound like, wow, like you are so talented. Every time you draw art, it reminds me of Picasso. Right? So the fixed mindset kid hears that is, oh, geez, if I I don't continue to get A's, they're not going to think I'm smart. I'm not going to get my admiration through being smart. So maybe I try a little bit less because I can protect myself if I just fly under the radar. And don't draw so much attention to myself for being smart. Hmm. The kid on the art will, will hear, oh, geez, Picasso, that's like one of the best artists on the planet. Like, I'm just drawn to have fun. If I don't continue to produce art, I might, I might not actually be creative. I might not actually be that solid at it. So it actually stifles creativity and the desire to want to continue to do things. Now, how do you reframe that to a growth mindset language? Right? In the first case, it might be like, "Well, you know what? You got an A and I'm, I'm really proud of you. But you know what I'm really proud of? I'm proud of the fact that whether it was easy or hard for you, I saw you put in the hard work. I saw Mm -hmm. you study for that. I saw you pay attention in class. And so regardless of whether you got an A or a C, I'm really proud of you because you put the most amount of effort into it, right? The Picasso language is, man, that is like really cool. I love to see the creative side of you. I think it's fun how you can explore with different colors and you can look at different people like Picasso and things to be inspiration for you. But the cool part is, is art's all about you. And I'm just really proud that you're doing something you enjoy. It completely reframes the way I parent in certain ways because mm. I can allow myself to recognize what's the language that's actually going to help them focus on the process versus the outcome that's actually mm-hmm. going to allow them to see these are things that I can do and control that aren't about who I am, but they're things I do. That's really what that book helps people separate.
0: Yeah. So in that, just because I'm a performance-based person, when you talk about the 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 process Right. So, how do I not get caught up in, oh, as long as I'm performing a process, then I'm valuable?
1: Yeah. So, that's a good question. Um, because what you're getting at there is you don't want people to go through the motions and you don't want people to like say, well, this is the process. So, I'm performing at this process. Um, because a process, as far as I'm concerned, is always meant to evolve and refine. There you go. And so, yep. Yeah.
0: I love it. So I was just trying to push on it, but I. No,
1: it's a great, by the way, that's a great challenging question. I'm happy you asked it because a process inherently should evolve and refine.
0: Yeah. And so I think that that's the point. The point is that I'm hearing is, is one, it it comes down to like what you said about awareness. Like if you're going to say something to your kid, don't just say it because it's the same crap your parents said or it's what you should say. Like shoulds are, don't live by shoulds. So if the kid comes home with an A, yeah. (laughs) If your kid comes home with an A, think about your response. And I think if as a parent, I don't want you to like question everything you do and then cripple yourself. But if your heart and motive is I'm a hundred percent for this kid and I want to show up for them. And as you know, you got two kids, each kid's different. So you have to know them to know what works for them. And so I think that one, the motive, two, are you aware of what you're saying? Just to bring it back to being aware, right? Don't just say the same old crap. And then three, it's, um, I love the process like you're helping your kids see that they're a part of this thing and and clearly Brian I know that your kids see you growing right and so yeah. can most kids say hey I, my dad's a growing person or or are you stuck yeah. in your ways that's a big deal so if you're using language for yourself as far as like oh man I'm I'm progressing and it's fun it's fun yeah. right And then they'll, they'll get into that too. So, okay. I love your But but to
1: give an example of that as well, it's even something as simple as like, again, we'll go back to the anger analogy, Mm -hmm. right? There would be moments where I would like the kids would trigger me and I would react and "Ah," and like raise my voice. Right. like, and, and I have a big, strong energy and a deep, powerful voice. And like, can that make my kids afraid? Yeah. I never want my kids to be afraid of me. Yeah. Right. But I'm human. And do I react in moments because I don't have the ability to actually pull the trigger on my emotional triggers and respond? Right? Like, yeah, I react. I've reacted in many moments. But again, it's in the repair. Right? So when you do those things, pay attention to pause and go back and revisit and say, like, I do this with my kids all the time. I'll be like, you know what, buddy? I'm sorry. I really wasn't patient in that moment. I had a lot going on in my mind. And none of it had to do with you. And when you came up to approach me, I just reacted. And I wanted to just let you know that I'm sorry, because I don't want to talk to you that way. And I never want you to feel that way around me. But daddy daddy's human and i'm constantly trying to get better right like we can there's all these little things that are just in the repair things that are unintentionally ways that we may play with our kids that if we aren't paying really close attention i had a time that my kid was reading me a book and i was like asking him questions throughout the book as he was telling the story that he was going off, off off rail on he wanted to like freestyle so i'd ask questions to make him freestyle more and then he just shut off and walked away hmm Now I could have just like let that happen, but I didn't. I saw him walk away and I know my kid well enough to know that even though he didn't have a facial response because he's on the autism spectrum and in that moment he was trying to hold it together, he -hmm. walked away because something triggered him. So Mm -hmm. I went and I talked to him and he said, I said, buddy, what happened? And he goes, you were making fun of me. And I said, what are you talking about, bud? And he goes, you were making fun of me, dad. And I said, I'm so sorry that that's how you felt. Please tell me what I was doing that made you feel like I was making sorry or making fun of you. He starts to break down. He said, every time you interrupted me, I'd lose my train of thought. And I thought you were making fun of the fact that I was being creative in the book, in, in, in the story. And I immediately said to him, I said, buddy, I said, it was actually the opposite. I loved the creativity. I loved where you're going. I was having fun with you. But I also didn't pay attention to the signs of you shutting down because I was having fun and so focused on what I was interacting with that I didn't take into consideration the fact that you might be receiving it differently than I meant it. And I said, I am so sorry. And I said, I did not intend it that way. And I apologize for what you felt in that moment. And can we make a deal? And he goes, yeah. I said, daddy sometimes loses perspective in those moments. And I don't always slow down enough to see what's right in front of me. And I said, so I was having fun and happy, but I did not mean damage. And I said, can we try to come up with some system where one, I'm going to commit to you that I'm going to do everything in my power to never do that again, because I now Mm. know how it makes you feel. Mm. But if I slip into that moment, can you try to bring it to my attention? And if I mess up, can you give me a little bit of grace?
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, Brian, this is so good, bro. So in your, in your, what you said to your son, your first response to him wasn't, that's not what I meant, which is defense. So it's like, I hear yeah. you say it, the language you use. So first, because in your mind, it wasn't about you defending what you did, right? Cause all of us mm-hmm. feel offended in the moment, right? Oh, that's not what I'm, that's not what I meant. I'm sorry. You heard it that way. I hate it when people yeah. say that to me. But if you approach it with the idea that you are here to repair and restore and that life is messy and the word you use repair, I think is just such a beautiful word. And I think all us men, like I don't use that word. I mean, I guess I use it if I'm fixing something, right? Mechanical. It's no different, right? uh, Right. If I could take that into my opportunity and it's not saying that my kids or my wife are broken, although sometimes I might feel that way.
1: (laughs) Uh, But but we're all human. We're all broken in some way, right?
0: for sure, for sure. But you're showing up with, with the idea of repair, which then takes down the defense of, I need to defend what I said. I need to defend my actions. Yep. I'm here because I care so much about you and I'm trying to be so in tune with who you are. And I missed it. I missed it this time. I didn't see the yeah. signal. So help me to be a better dad. But That's I just, exactly dude, right. I just love, you know, You at the end you did say, um, it's not what I intended, but I think even in that word intended I didn't intend for you to to make you feel that way you're still taking here comes you're still taking ownership that you did make them feel that way and when you yeah. say I didn't mean that I didn't mean it like that you are not taking ownership for your words you're putting the blame right. on them for feeling a certain way so it's their fault now so which only didn't...
1: further victimizes them and further shames them and it further removes them from the truth and so when you yeah, when you recognize you. that look here at the end of the day here's how I always view relationships it's like if I, if, somebody's, if I believe somebody has a good heart, right, and I know who they are and I know what they generally intend, then they're going to make mistakes and say things that may hurt people and offend mm-hmm. people. But mm-hmm. as long as it's never malicious and it's right. truly lack of awareness, I will always forgive as long as they show the demonstrated uh, desire to not repeat the pattern. Right. Mm -hmm. But I will Mm -hmm. say, as much as you're giving me accommodation, I also have to own the fact that it's like, look, it's only the work that I've done through my own shame that allowed me not to be defensive. Because my defensiveness was rooted in my shame because being a husband and father, I've often said, is one of my most important roles. So there would be times that my wife would say, hey, are you going to spend so and so time with the kids this weekend? Totally innocent, not charged, but my shame allowed me to hear it this way hey, you haven't shown up enough as a husband and father. You haven't spent enough time with our kids and you haven't done enough to actually demonstrate to them that they're important to you. And so I'll respond mm-hmm. out of anger and defensiveness to my wife to list the 10 things I've done in the last four days to demonstrate I'm a good husband and father, mm-hmm. right? Those those have happened as a result of my shame trigger, the same thing with my kids. And so when I say that triggers are truly the root of all of this stuff, the only way you can be neutral, objective and non-judgmental in every moment to actually see things for what they are is if you start to do the work to repair your own emotional damage based on your triggers.
0: <clears throat> I think that's a key a key component of this is you can't just show up to your house and look at repairing everybody else.
1: <laughs> it has to start with you. It, <laughs> it has always to
0: start with you. You have to commit to being aware of yourself because it won't be authentic if you're just trying to be aware of everybody else. It's important, right? It's important, especially with your little kids, but your wife will see through it. You know, mm-hmm. if it's just you're, you're showing up it, because that becomes arrogant and a little cocky. So it has to start with you. You got to be doing the work for other people to be open to you being aware of their stuff because that's the only way they'll feel safe to be vulnerable around. Here's you.
1: the beautiful thing, though, especially as a man, we truly can change the entire tone in our household. Ah, now, anybody dude. technically can, but especially as a man, we can. And so listen yeah. to this, right? Like, yeah. had, I not, had I not leaned in and done the stuff that I did with my wife, and this isn't to brag on myself, dude, I, I messed up. I created right. damage in my house. I had to put in the work to fix it. Like, I'm not I'm not sitting here from a proud moment, like, look at the work I did. No, I had 14 years of being blind that I wish I could change. I can't. All I can do is show up from this moment, for, moment forward. But here's the thing. I had to realize that whatever was happening in my wife's world, as a result of her having to pull back to create safety, was preventing her from actually doing her own work mm. until I did mine. Yep. Right, So I had to literally unpack this and do my work. And what's been beautiful, I tell you, four months later, we're in a beautiful place. But it took three months of that where my wife just was observing, Hmm. watching how I was gonna show up. Giving me grace, giving me trust, assuming I wasn't gonna screw up. Like she was amazing in her ability to just give me that space and shut down her own reactions. But we tripped a number of times on little triggers that we had to pause in the moment and work through. But three months later, after she realized that every time she thought I might revert to an old pattern that she'd created in mm-hmm. her head. By the way, some mm-hmm. which were fabricated, some which were very real, right? Every time that she started to do that, she started to realize that we were actually establishing new patterns. Hmm. Once that she had enough variables and information to see that I was giving her the space because I put the work in. I was the one doing the work for three months, primarily me, her demonstrating patience, but not focusing on the elements of her that were actually contributing to this dynamic in our relationship as well. Three months later, she actually started to take ownership for her own stuff. Hmm. Never once did I point blame at her through this entire experience. Never once I said, look, at the end of the day, my anger and the way it patterned in our marriage created more damage. And it actually is my fault, some of the ways that you're reacting, because I was blind to the fact that I was contributing to this. But once she actually had that safety in all four categories, she's flourishing. Your, Your analogy of blossoming like a flower is perfect. I mean, literally four days ago, we just had another quantum leak breakthrough conversation with her as it related to how she's establishing and building a relationship with our daughter that mm. she didn't have the ability or the capacity to work through and still focus on what we needed to handle now that that's not a weight she has to carry anymore she has more strength to carry other weights in her life to start doing the work that's necessary and it works for all of us that way once we move through something we no longer have to carry it and just because we can carry the weight doesn't mean it's not damn heavy
0: yeah yeah no doubt mm. Dude. So good. So good. Oh man. We could talk for like four hours. Um, okay. Let's see here. Where do I want to go? Where do I want to go? So that was mindset. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a couple questions I do want to ask to make sure to get to. And, and one of them is, is the role of the father. What do you believe the role of the father is?
1: I think the role of the father and the role of the mother, mother overlap quite a bit. I think to be really, really effective in each role. So if I look at that from that standpoint, that means that I have to bring masculinity and femininity into my house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I, I have to do that. Not just mm-hmm. feed off of the, the, the soft side from my wife. Right. I think that our kids need to, gen- I mean, to feel safe, right. Protected, seen and understood and connected, I always look at the way we operate in life through kind of four categories, right? It's mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So we talked about that a second ago. Mm -hmm. But I have to genuinely look at the fact is, do I have the ability to make them feel that way in every one of their four categories? And so when I look at that, that means being able to have the capacity to have a conversation with my daughter who's highly empathetic and feels emotion and often will just start crying and not know why. Well, it's because she is now starting to recognize, and we are too, that she is truly an empath. Hmm. And so at six, there have been now multiple occasions in the last two weeks where she's gotten to that moment. And I realized that for her, I've got to enter through the heart to have a chance to get into her mind. Mm-hmm. For my mm-hmm. son, just because of the way he's wired. And this, by the way, isn't male versus female. This is just who they are. Okay.
0: Yep. Oh, totally. My,
1: my son, I have to enter through the mind to get to the heart. He's, he's a deeply feeling person, but he processes everything. She feels everything. Okay. So when we're in bed laying and she's like, dad, why am I doing this? I have to literally put myself into my heart, not think from my brain and try to understand what might she be feeling right now so I can help her process this. So I started asking her questions and I said something to the effect of, you know, sweetie, like, do you feel what other people feel? And she's like, yeah. And I said, when somebody walks into a room with a positive energy, a a mad energy, a sad energy, do you feel like you understand what those things are? Yeah. How often do you feel those emotions? She's like, often. Often. Okay, so let's think about why you might feel this way tonight. Here's the two dynamics that took place in the house in the last hour where there was like a sadness with mom in one case and there was some emotion that was from our friend that was in the house. Do you think there's a chance that you carried those emotions? Hmm. Yeah. Did you feel sadness or what you're feeling right now at any moment before those two things? No. Okay. So what we need to start to be able to do for you, dear, is to be able to separate between what are your feelings and what are the feelings you're carrying for others because Mm -hmm. that's not your way to carry. Mm -hmm. As a father, I have to be able to communicate like that with both kids, but I also need to be able to give them a kick in the butt and take either one of them to the ER and allow them to borrow my strength so that they can get through getting a shot, right? Recognizing that it's okay to cry, recognizing that it's okay to feel pain. It's what do we do with that pain that matters? And so I can allow them to borrow my strength, right? So I think a father has to be the way I want to be a father. I'm not going to tell what any other father should do. I'm going to say that a father to me, this is my definition of it. A father to me needs to be able to be intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, financially, and physically providing for their family in some capacity. That's, those are how I define it. And it's very important to me that I do those things so that my kids can have the freedom to do what they need to do. And if I need to send them to a specialty school because my son's now at an autism academy, my mm-hmm. daughter's hearing impaired with two hearing aids and has dyslexia, and we've got her into specialty program we have the resources and ability to actually give them the tools they need to live holistically into who they are without the system telling them that who they are, isn't good enough.
0: Right. Mm. It's good. my job
1: to protect whatever makes their heart happy and allow them to live into that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love your definition of the role of a father and in, in how you show up in those categories and how you show up knowing your kid and then how you, can provide them things that they need. If maybe they don't have those things, you provide that to them. One other thing that you mentioned, um, in, in the question form that I had sent over, which I thought was really powerful. And I think we would all agree that this is already true about you in the conversation we've been having, but there was a sentence in there, which I thought is just so critical for dads to know. And it was, that one of the primary roles of the father is to show love to the spouse or partner or, you know, oh, mother yeah. of the yes. child. Yes. And, and, and we've yes. seen that. But why is that so important, do you believe?
1: Oh, it's everything. Um, it's everything. You know, I, when I say that I believe that um, to have a solid relationship, you have to start with yourself first. Mm -hmm. I think that to be solid parents, you have to start with the marriage first. Mm -hmm. So it's no different. Uh. I think that we have to invest in each other and invest in what we're doing collectively. Right. And recognize that, you know, for example, my wife sees everything, but she has a fear that she's not going to know what to do with it. I see a lot, but I'm always afraid I'm not going to see everything. But I never question whether I'm going to know what to do with it. And she knows that as well. So we can complement each other in these areas. So right where I get triggered with my son around the areas that we're familiar, she can coach me for the blind spots that I have in myself that are contributing to the way I'm reacting to my kid and preventing the connection that we both desire. The same thing is true with her and my daughter. I have learned how to interact with my wife. And so I now know how to interact with my daughter because she's a little mini byproduct of her. (laughs) <laughs> right? And so I can be gentle with her and hold her. But I think that there's also the element of when we invest in each other, I think it's okay for our kids to see us fight. Cause again, it's in the repair, right? Like we do have disagreements. We don't have screaming matches in front of them. We don't throw like again, but do we disagree? Do we allow our kids to recognize like, it's okay to have conflict and move through it. Yeah. Cause love is as much a choice as it is a feeling. And oftentimes we're in a position where we have to choose to continue to turn into that and love that person. But we need to show that. And we also need to show what is healthy, Modeled behavior look like within a relationship in a home? Because at the end of the day, when I say we're a byproduct of our triggers and behavioral patterns and conditioning, guess what? We have generational conditioning that takes place. You have an angry dad, there's a good chance you're going to be an angry person, right? You have a family that suffers with shame and scarcity, you're probably going to manifest that into your life. And so, wherever we show up as a couple and whatever foundation we set for our kids is the starting point for how they're going to build the rest of their lives. And all we're trying to do is to make sure they don't have to shed as many layers as maybe we had to or many other people do because they're going to yeah. be more authentically who they are by the time they're ready to launch. Yep. And so yep, yep, yep. I want to show them what it looks like to be tender and loving with my wife because I want my son to do that in the future with his partner, whether it's male or female. We don't know, right? With our with our daughter the same thing. Like I wanted to know what it looks like to be loved by her partner. Again, male or female, I'd have no judgment there. I'm going to let them choose love based on the way that they need to receive love. And I want them to understand that like, this is what good and pure love looks like, is that there's tough love, there's empathetic and compassionate love, there's romantic love, and we can show up holistically, even through conflict and love someone, despite the fact that they've done something that might hurt us, that doesn't mean that who they are is bad. So I have to demonstrate that in my own world, in the relationship with my wife, and she and I talk actively about this stuff because we recognize, look, our kids are seven and six. We've only got 10 to 12 years left to help them reestablish healthy patterns. And we've already screwed up a lot in the first seven years. So like we already know areas we need to repair and ones we aren't even aware we're still creating damage. Right. So from our standpoint, we look at it like, how do we be a united front? Because in moments where I'm being triggered by shame or she is on her side or there's like non-safety or these things, guess what? We are not a united front. We're actually pulling each other apart, which is pulling our relationship with our kids apart. It has to start with us first, secondarily with our marriage, lastly with our kids, if that's the dynamic of family that you want to build.
0: Yeah, but I mean, we all want to build that dynamic. It's just, are we willing to put the work in?
1: But that's the thing. Do we really want to if we're not willing to put in the work?
0: I I would say that we're stuck. Right, we're stuck in a mediocre life. And if I look at my life and really am, am to step back out of the, the river that I might be stuck in or the whirlwind, whatever you want to call it, we all want to be respected, valued, needed, loved. Know we're making a mark on this agree earth. I agree
1: with that. I agree. You with
0: know, that. but it's we do sign. all, de-
1: we are hardwired to desire that.
0: For sure. For su- yes, yes. Okay, so what I hear you saying in the role of the father loving the spouse is one, it creates a foundation. So we cannot argue against that. It creates a foundation for your kids moving on to their lives. And then two, that we should embrace the reality that your Mm -hmm. spouse or significant other is different than you because, right. Because I mean, you gave an, a quick example of like, ah, man, I'm having a hard time relating in this moment, maybe to my daughter, but because I've had to embrace the differences that I are in my, my wife it it has allowed me to grow into the person who could relate to somebody who's not Correct. just exactly like me. And so I think dudes stop looking at thing. And I mean, myself, right. Sometimes I'm like, man, I, why does she say it to me like that? Or why does she do it like that? Um, that to embrace that, to go, that allows me to be a better version of me for myself, Correct. for her and for my kids, because it allows me to show up. And especially in the world we live in where we're constantly being fed what we believe only you know, like just hang out with people that think and feel and everything exactly like you. I mean, that's so detrimental. But if you have a it spouse, is. you know that they're different than you.
1: <laughs> it yeah. just
0: is. It just is. And oh, by the way, um,
1: I, I view that as a gift, right? Uh, you, I think totally, I think it can create a lot of me. resistance. But if you actually recognize where the differences create power in your unity, then it's not about defending between you and your spouse. It's about how do we unite so that we're more powerful. Right, yeah, a, a, great... a healthy relationship should be a one plus one equals three scenario, right? For like sure. we're better versions sure. of ourself because of the amplification and fuel that our partner provides into our life. So when you can recognize the differences as literally some of the most critical elements on how do you complement each other, that man, that's when magic starts to happen in a relationship. Yes.
0: Yeah. And you made the comment just now, there's resistance. And if, oh, if yeah. you're into strength training or any kind of physical working out, you know that through resistance is growth. If you that's allow right. like if I just, oh man, I could only bench press hundred pounds and I just stayed there. I'm going to stay the same. And that's not why I'm showing up every day. And so if you look at that resistance as a good thing in your marriage, then you're being aware, right? You're not showing up defensive. You're being aware. So dude, oh, such good stuff. Okay. Let's see here. Let's see. I, I really want to ask this question and then <laughs> we can, we can wrap it up. So we've been doing this, the podcast fatherhood field notes. You're open up your field notes, vulnerable, authentic, beautiful. I love it. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And the idea is I'm going to rebel against this. I'm going to tear this down, not to be destructive, but so that there's room to create X, Y, or Z. So when you think of Brian's world, what's something that you're rebelling against? And what do you hope to create out of that rebellion?
1: Man box culture. Mm. I think that there's, there's a whole lot of narratives on what it means to be a man, what it means to be tough and strong and, you know, all these things. And I think right now I'm like a living contradiction in a whole variety of ways. And I'm just like very okay with the fact that like, you know what? Like I am a very strong type A alpha male that mm-hmm. also feels deeply, that also can be approaching things with empathy and compassion that. Oh, by the way, my son, because he grew up with a daughter and a mother and in autism, especially gender roles are very non-traditional in the way they view the world, wanted to paint his toenails. For years, he asked me to paint my toenails. And I said, buddy, it doesn't make my heart happy. But if you want to do it, do it. Right. And when he was feeling down on himself not that long ago, guess what? I painted my toenails. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know it didn't make my heart happy. My toenails are painted still. Because it gives him permission to live his truth without ever questioning that there's another man that he looks up to in his life that's comfortable enough to do it, despite what anybody else would say about it. Mm. And so I look at that. and I'm like, look, I did it 100% to carry the weight for him. Let him borrow my strength. But it just so turns out, like when I look down at my toes, as crazy as it sounds, I like it. It makes me feel happy. So you know what? Like, does it make me any less of a man, any less masculine? No. But is that the narrative of the world when they look down and see a man with painted toenails that like, oh, they must be a little more feminine? Yeah. Mm. Guess what? I have masculine and feminine traits we all do. Yeah. How do we honor those and realize that it's not about we have to be a man or we have to be a woman but how do we be a whole self and recognize that strength and power are not in are not mutually exclusive to empathy and compassion. They're one and the same. Hmm. So something you said is is
0: yeah is that they're not exclusive of each other so to be in a strong alpha doesn't mean that you cannot be vulnerable and authentic. And it's something you said earlier on in our conversation, that true strength hides behind vulnerability. So it's almost as though, you know, whether you paint your toenails or not, if you want to truly step into your masculine strength, you are faking it if you're not willing to be vulnerable. If you're faking it or if if you're not being vulnerable, then you are, there are some triggers and some things that you need to work through because that true strength, you know, that true intimacy level that you desire with, with those closest to you will only come from vulnerability, not from a place of I've got it all figured out. I'm stuck in my ways. So
1: um, 100% and And here's the thing. I, I used to believe this Ned, like it was a narrative mm -hmm. that served me for a while. I used to believe that mental toughness was everything. If I had a strong intellectual narrative, it would get me where I wanted it. By the way, it did until it bit me. And we don't have time for that story today. But the point is, is like what I started to realize through lots and lots of processing, lots and lots of understanding, different periods of loneliness, being left, like realizing that the power of our narratives, the world does buy into. But mental toughness, as important as it is, because it is really important, is only part of the equation, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? We are all hardwired to either feel more or think more either have an intellectual or an emotional narrative. We both have both, but we are hardwired as individuals to feel more. I told you my daughter, I have to enter through the heart. My son, I have to enter through the head. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? And so people who understand and master what they're innately required to do are going to reach high levels of performance. They just will. But the ones that truly unlock and go to the next level are the ones that understand how to regulate and balance between both their intellectual and emotional narratives so that they can trust in the moment which one is true and which one they need to lean on in that moment. So I often talk about, like, we often have to put ourselves in a position to think about our thinking, think about our feeling, feel our thinking, and feel our feeling. Mm. It's in that quadrant that success success lives. And when you take that quadrant and you layer it on top of mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical, and you realize that I've got to think about my thinking, think about my feeling, feel my thinking, and feel my feeling in each one of those quadrants, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, that's the path to unlock. And I realize that sounds very esoteric and very ethereal. But if you actually understand that that's what it requires, it's about becoming a whole self. Again, it's the 18 inches between our head and our heart that often don't allow us to be exactly who we are.
0: Hmm. hmm. Dude, Brian, I love it. This conversation has been really rich and I'm so thankful for it. I'm going to ask you one final question and that is legacy. As you think, you know, 30 years from now and you see your children living their lives, what is it that you hope to see?
1: Joy, freedom, and fulfillment Hmm. for them in their lives and the people that are in their lives.
0: Joy, freedom, fulfillment, which if we're really to think about that comes from being your authentic self, which is what you are on a path to do. And you're teaching your children to be on that same path.
1: Yeah. And I'm hoping to teach the world to do the same thing.
0: A billion people by 2045. That's right. Love it. Brian, dude, keep being the man that you are, the the husband, the father, the friend, the leader, the, the growth-minded, uh, vulnerable, authentic human being. And uh, on that journey, I'm sure you will impact all the lives that you desire to. If people want to learn more about you, more about what you do, more about your story, which we didn't even fully get into, where can they go learn more about
1: you? Um, I'm at Bogert Brian on any social media platform, and then brianbogart.com is the website. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say is to impact a billion lives, I'm very aware that 9999999999999 percent will never pay us a dollar, right? We are very okay with that, because we know those that lean in and, and actually invest in themselves through the resources we provide will substantiate and perpetuate all of the impact we need there. So what I'm going to ask is what you'll notice is there's a lot of what we do that doesn't have a call to action, doesn't have an ask. There's no sales funnel tied to it. Like we genuinely produce a lot of content just to elevate and empower people in the world. So the only way to get to a billion is with a lot of help. And so I'm just asking if you consume anything and it moves you, it resonates at a deep level. Not just because I asked you to be like, oh yeah, go share. No, no. If it moves you and it resonates, please like, comment and share this is not for vanity metrics. This is simply because you can be a part of helping create the collective impact to get to a billion people. Because what I know is that moved people, move people. I'm Mm -hmm. just asking you to help me move the world so that we can all feel a little bit better.
0: Dude, powerful. Brian, thank you so much. I look forward to continuing just to watch you on your journey, man. Thank you, Ned. All right. Until next time. What an incredible dude. I loved meeting Brian, loved talking fatherhood life, such an intentional soul, really digging into how do I show up and not just for the sake of what people see on the outside, but so that I can truly be authentic and step into a life of vulnerability, which allows me to have relationships that are deep. Pure and true something that I desire and as you and I are here listening to this we desire it as well thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and creates fatherhood field notes podcast what you do matters don't be like everybody else be yourself that is who your kids spouse and community needs This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. If you could take a quick second and write a review, rate the podcast. It will help spread the word that fatherhood matters.